Woo, hello. Still rocking out for a second. I, I know, very chatty uh, this, this evening, which is good. Uh, encourage you to continue that conversation and that fellowship after service. Uh, I know there's a group that likes to go out um, various places, a couple groups that like to go out, get something to eat after church, continue that. And what a wonderful opportunity tomorrow to fellowship at the big game party right here. Uh, that we have that uh, opportunity to continue our fellowship. So uh, I encourage you to do that. Uh, we're going to transition our young people to their experience, uh, anyone K through fifth grade. We have an experience during the second part of our worship experience tailored to them. Uh, they're going to head with Miss Whitney. Of course, we have nursery care available, uh, but all children are welcome to stay through the uh, entirety of our three parts of worship. Um, uh, but the children will be coming back for the third part of worship, our forwarding time. As they transition and are already gone, let's have a word of prayer uh, and invite the Spirit into this place once more. If, if Jamie's okay with it. <clears throat> it's okay. I, where's my horn? <laughs> You're getting it ready? Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. There may, there may be a new policy about cell phones <laughs> later, later tonight. No. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank, you for, uh, I thank you for our community. I thank you for laughter. I thank you for uh, our atmosphere and uh, the ability we have to worship tonight. We ask now that you send your spirit upon us, that you open our hearts and our minds to hear your word, to re-experience, the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, that we may truly be covenant people, kingdom people, in this day and forever. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, welcome once again to New Life. I am Mark, and I am the pastor here, and we are in our forming time uh, for the next few minutes. Uh, and tonight, we are in the fourth week of our uh, five-week or six-week series. Um, no, we must be in the fifth week of our six-week series. There we go. Covenant and Kingdom, uh, the DNA of the Bible. Uh, so, and as you've heard, if you've been here a, a while, the Bible has a DNA, two interwoven themes that run through its entirety, and that is the lens that I have been teaching you um, for how you can then read the Bible uh, one tool that you can use to read the Bible, uh, any scripture. You open the Bible, read it, and say, is this covenant? Is this kingdom? Is it both? And what does it say about my covenant and kingdom relationship? So those are the two themes, covenant and kingdom. That's the whole story of the Bible. Covenant is about relationship. Kingdom is about responsibility. Our relationship in the covenant is our relationship with God and one another. Kingdom our responsibility is what is expected of us because of that relationship. Covenant is about relationship or being who we are. Kingdom is about responsibility or doing what we do. We're not going to go over the triangles this week, but uh, they are around if you want to get uh, more in-depth of uh, what the covenant and kingdom relationship is. Uh, I want to read a passage from Luke, and it's a, a passage that we use in uh, Holy Communion every week. 
But uh, as we go through this sermon, um, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible, your Bible app, or whatever with you, your e-reader, um, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look uh, at that in, in great depth. Uh, but I want to read this short passage from Luke chapter 22, verses 20. This is uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, we've talked about covenant. We've talked about kingdom. We've talked about what each of those looks like. We've talked about people that live those out. Abraham living out covenant. Joseph living out kingdom. Moses coming together, intertwining both. And we we saw the full power of the kingdom through Moses. And then last week, we talked about covenant and kingdom intertwined in the person of Jesus. But we haven't talked about how the covenant went from the covenant of God and Abraham, a covenant between God and one family, to a covenant between God and all people, between God and us. And so that's what we're going to talk tonight about. We're going to talk about a story the story of Jesus and the cross. That is the story that perhaps most emphasize covenant and kingdom for us. During the Last Supper, and we believe that was possibly held during Passover. Remember when we talked about Moses? We talked about the Passover, the angel of death passing over, the tenth plague passing over the people of Israel. And they celebrated and continue to celebrate Passover. And during that, Seder Passover meal. There's, there's many different rituals, many different cups. It's really cool if you ever get a chance to do part of that. We may do that at some point in the future. Probably on Monday, Thursday would be a good time to do that. We'll talk about that. But in that last cup, the cup of the covenant, Jesus did something different. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood poured out for you. Jesus is saying that his blood represents something new, a fresh start, a new covenant, a covenant that was renewed and transformed from the covenant that God and Abraham made thousands of years before. So let's now look at 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul, who uh, authored much of the New Testament, many letters to many churches, uh, one of the uh, uh, most prominent figures in the New Testament. Remember, he wasn't a disciple. He wasn't one of the 12, but he came later. He talks extensively. In in fact, you could say that everything he says is about covenant or kingdom. And today we're going to try to understand what Christ's actual role was in the covenant and the kingdom and how we uh, work in that through this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through about 21. One. So if you want to look, we're just going to go verse by, by verse here uh, and really dig in uh, and, and see what Paul is talking about and see if we can understand. Because Paul is our theologian in the New Testament. He talks a lot about theology and helps us understand really what uh, Jesus was doing and how it affects us. So here, here's verse 14. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. One died for the sake of all. Therefore, all died god wants to be in covenant with all people that's the the whole story of scripture we've 
seen that since the very beginning. We saw that in the story of Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Jesus. And, and if you're in form or, or you've read the book, uh, in, in all of the stories, God desperately wants to be in covenant with his people. And covenant, remember, is about being one. It's about oneness, becoming one with God. We, we talked extensively about what that covenant really looked like with Abraham, letting go of your old life and taking on a new life with this person. Paul reminds us, though, that through Jesus Christ, we, all people, can enter into the covenant. Jew, Gentile, whoever. We can become part of that covenant that God made with Abraham. And when we join in Christ's death, we take on a new life and we become one with Jesus. Make sense? We take on a new life. We become one with Jesus. Just as Abraham and God became one, we too through Christ become one. And if we become one with Christ, we become like Christ. And if Christ was the Son of God, bear with me here, we too become sons of God. Now, it's not a gender thing, but if we become like Christ, we take on that role. So think about that for a second. If we are one with Jesus, we are also Son of God. Jesus is the key for you and I to become part of this awesome covenant. Verse 15. He died for the sake of all so that those who are alive should not live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So Christ died so we could be part of this amazing covenant. And the only response that's appropriate for someone laying down their life for you is to live for them. Live life in the kingdom, in other words. We become part of the covenant. We also then live life in the kingdom. So now we've already seen covenant and kingdom here just in the first two verses. Verse 16 and 17. So then from this point on, we don't recognize people by human standards, even though we used to know Christ by human standards. That isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. Here's the thing about joining the covenant and the kingdom. We're no longer the same. We're not what we were. Christ died, but Christ didn't stay dead. He rose again. He was new. So when we become part of the covenant, we take on new life. I saw someone mumble it. That's why we call ourselves new life. We become new creations. And no matter what, that cannot be taken from us. That is something exceptionally special. We become children of God, heirs to the kingdom. Those are the new realities that we live in as covenant and kingdom people. Verse 18. All of these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ 
and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I love Paul. I, I just, I could read Paul all day. Through Christ, we were reconciled with God. Our sin and our broken relationships uh, had separated us from God. Christ restored it. We had been separated because of our own needs and our own desires. We talked about temptation last week. Those temptations that pull us away from God. Christ brought us back together. That is the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus did it. He reconciled us to God because he was the son of God. So if we are sons of God, what is our ministry? It's ministry of reconciliation. It's ministry of the work that Christ did. We are called to work with our brothers and sisters and our brother Jesus Christ to continue to bring people into the covenant, to reach out to them, to reach out to a a, a hurt and suffering world. So you may ask yourself, sometimes when we face that hurt, when we face that pain, when we face disaster and evil, why doesn't God intercede? This God of the kingdom, this this God that's all-powerful, this God who sent plagues and held part the Red Sea and protected the Israelites from armies, why doesn't that God come and do those kind of things in our world? Well, here are these next two verses. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with us or with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives Be reconciled to God. Now, Paul started off talking about covenant. And he he always starts off talking about covenant, how we can be in relationship with Christ and God. But he always gets to kingdom. Because as soon as you enter the covenant, you immediately jump to kingdom. As soon as you become part of that relationship, you immediately go to what the responsibilities of that relationship is. So the answer to the question, why doesn't God intervene, is he does. Through you. Through us. Through everyone who's called into this covenant. If you see yourself as a son of God, a child of God, then you are also heir to the kingdom. We are the people God has trusted in this work of reconciliation. We are the people who are carrying the torch of bringing more people into the covenant, reconciling more people to God, creating more sons and daughters, creating more heirs. Christ does the work, but we are the ambassadors. We are the ones put on earth to do the work. Verse 21, God caused the one who didn't know sin, to be sin for our sake. So that through him, we could become, and hear this, the righteousness of God. Jesus was the perfect son. He did nothing to separate himself from God. He knew nothing of sin. But he took on 
on the cross, our sins, all sin, so that we could become sons. So we could become children. So now when God the Father looks upon us, He sees Christ. He sees Jesus. He sees His Son, His firstborn. When God the Father opened the skies and said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He is speaking to you. He is talking to you. He is saying, This is my beloved Son whom I am well pleased. God, the Father and King of the universe, sees each of us as His very special firstborn child. I think we need to Stop there for a moment. And ask ourselves the question, do you believe that? Do you believe that God the Father loves you as much as Jesus Christ? As much as God the Son? Do you believe, as Paul says, you are the righteousness of God? So talk about that for a couple of minutes. Easy question. You have permission to talk about the question. Let's come back together. I hope you believe that. I hope if you don't, you're now at least considering it. Because it's true. And I know it's true because the Bible tells me so. <laughs> some, some things you learn in Sunday school, you know, are good, good things to learn. So Christ died... So we could have new life. That, that is the foundation of our ministry together. I could break into uh, atonement theory, which we have actually talked about uh, in the past. 
the ways that theologians actually say the cross actually worked, how the cross reconciled us with God, how that you know worked. There's all kinds of different theories. Um, but at some point, we really don't need to complicate it. It's very simple. Through Christ, you can become part of the covenant. I mean, that's, that's really it. Um, you can become son of God. And, and again, I say that um, because in this culture uh, and in our kingdom worldview here, that means heir to the kingdom. Not, not fourth son, not, you know, fifth child. You can become number one son with Christ. Uh, and I think we, we get confused on that. We can become heirs with Christ. With Christ. Now the best part of that covenant, the best part of that deal, the best part of becoming an heir is it's free. It doesn't cost anything. Christ already paid the price. The, the admittance, the adoption papers were already signed. We call that grace. God's extraordinary, loving action. Last year we, we did a whole thing called crazy love. God's crazy love for you. His desperate desire for you to be one of his children. The only thing you really need is to want to be part of that covenant, to desire it. There's no uh, one prayer, there's no one act, no one uh, thing you can do, no one process. There are some pastors that will tell you, pray this prayer, uh, do this thing, go through this seven steps, complete this membership class. But it's not about that. Each of us has to come to the cross on our own and be transformed into children of God. I can lead you there as well as others can. But at the very end, you have to walk through the door. It takes acceptance. It takes submission and willingness to be changed and have new life. Now I want to share what that means for us and why I want to do that is because that's my passion. My passion is for us to become children of God. And not just become children of God. Unfortunately, um, we focus in on one of the aspects. We, we you know, well, we're part of the covenant, great. But it's more than that. We're heirs to the kingdom and we can experience all of what Christ has to offer all of what christ had and all of what god has is at our disposal it's my passion because i want other people i want you and everyone in our community everyone in our world to experience the new life that i've experienced i didn't name our congregation this somebody from we don't even know who came up with this name uh, and, and we believe it was god that sent it to really hammer in the fact that that's what this needs to be about. I want you to have what Christ has. I wish that was all my work, but you know, there's mundane and administrative things, and that's okay. We have to do those things. But we can't do it just me or just Jeff or Jamie or Whitney. We can't do it just the, the core who started with us. It has to be everyone's work. It's one of the reasons worship is so important to me because it helps remind us who we are. We're children of God. It helps empower us to do the work of the kingdom. Hopefully everything we do 
uh, whether it's Super Bowl party, excuse me, big game party, whether it's questions, whether it's honking our horns, interrupting the pastor, (laughs) whatever we do, hopefully it is part of that work of kingdom, building the kingdom here for us. Now, there are a lot of churches in our world, a lot of good, uh, great churches, wonderful congregations all across the world. And uh, I'm so glad to have been part of so many of them, and I'm so glad so many of them support this young ministry. But often in our churches, uh, especially our churches that have been around a while, we get bogged down by administration we get bogged down by uh, years of baggage, you know, accumulated. You know, it's just like when you're moving, you know, you've lived in a house for a while and you've just accumulated all this stuff. And so moving takes a lot longer. If you've never moved anywhere, you don't have anything, right? Get a suitcase and, you know, you have to go buy that. It's empty. And then you move in and you're fine. You have to start buying stuff. It's the same way with churches. Uh, and, and a lot of us, is, and not even churches, but as Christians, we get really caught up in uh, one part of this this story we have a lot of churches that are just concerned about getting people into heaven and that's a great thing and we have a lot of churches that are just concerned about doing good works and and, and doing mission and uh, not i shouldn't say mission because mission is is this whole thing but uh doing outreach to affect the community and that's good thing we have churches that are really focused on what the holy spirit does on speaking in tongues and prophesying and snake handling but that's different type of church yeah thank you you don't need to do it and sometimes we just get so focused that we forget the whole picture we forget our enormous potential and that's what we have here at new life we are a new congregation in our second year of ministry without any baggage and with potential potential to live out covenant and kingdom. Now, I want to t- be clear about kind of what that looks like and what that doesn't look like. And, and I want to talk a little bit about goals, I guess, uh, to make it just real clear. You know, what, what are some of our goals? And we're, we're still envisioning and looking to the future, and uh, we've collected your surveys, and you still have a, you know, maybe a couple days. Uh, if you want to go online and fill out a survey, we could maybe take a couple more. Um, And we're still working on that. But I want to be very clear at least uh, what our goal is in this covenant and kingdom life for new life. You know, we've talked a lot about what it means for you, what it means for me personally. But what does it mean for us? Our goal as a congregation, we're going to talk more about the body of Christ next week. But our goal is not to fill this gym with people. If we wanted to fill this gym with people, we'd have a basketball league. Because that would fill the gym quite honestly right if we wanted to uh have our goal be charity work well we'd open you know a food pantry or uh, a a shelter or we do something like that if our goal were uh to feed people and meet their needs i should say our goal isn't to feed people and meet their needs Because only, sadly, not sadly, but only babies need to feed themselves. The idea of we need to feed people in terms of, you know, spiritually, 
We need to teach people how to feed themselves. And so our goal is not to feed people. Our, no whole, our, our goal is not to uh, give them whatever their needs are, just meet those needs, because if we were just interested in self-help, we would just be Barnes & Noble. And just one section, the self-help section of the bookstore. And we could send people to that. And, and they do it a lot better than we do. Our goal is not to fix you or anyone else. That is only work that Christ can do. Now, there are probably other things that aren't our goals, but I hope you kind of get the idea. We sometimes get concerned and confused and, and get our hopes up into very uncovenant and unkingdom things that don't matter, that aren't important. We have the opportunity to do something pretty great. And I think everything in my power, uh, I will do to make that happen. So what is our goal? Well, very simply, our goal at New Life is about being a community of people walking in the newness of life, alive for God in Christ. And that comes from our Romans 6 passage that we hold kind of as the forefront of our ministry. And as we have been learning together, New Life is all about covenant and kingdom. Now, as we move further into next year, I want this to be our hope. I want everyone to be involved in this ministry of new life, which is all about covenant and kingdom. My desire is that everyone is, everyone here is or is becoming a son of God or the son of God. Everyone is becoming one of the children. Really, at the end of the day, nothing else matters to me. Yes, there are other things we have to do, but that is what is most important to me, is that you all are becoming part of this covenant. It's actually so easy. It doesn't cost anything but giving up your old cruddy life. It's truly, I mean, that's all it costs. Give up being lonely, depressed, miserable, afraid, angry, and give up everything else that brings you down to become loved by the most important and powerful all just intense creator of the universe and realize you are his beloved firstborn child. That's all it takes to become a child of God and we're so afraid for that to happen. I don't know why. Looking back, I was afraid for it to happen. I know many of you were. Some of you may still be. But if you lay your old life down at the foot of the cross and let the blood of Christ transform you into a new creation, you can become that child of God. But my hope is for more than that because as we're going to teach the confirmands tomorrow, Christianity is a lot more than about salvation and going to heaven. That is a really great part of it. That's just like icing on the cake. Eternity with God and in the resurrection, those are great things. But the potential we have is for a here and now kingdom because we are heirs to the kingdom and we are ambassadors to the kingdom. And just as Moses was and just as Jesus was, when an ambassador of the kingdom comes down, stuff starts to get real and the world starts to change. You really care about the world and the suffering and the hurt and the pain 
that may be just your friends and family experience, let alone the millions and billions of people across the earth. If you cared about that, it takes more than just helping. It takes letting God make you an ambassador and understanding your role as a representative. So that crazy power that we have the ability to access comes to this world. I think if we can grasp that, that yes, we're children of God and we are heirs to the kingdom and that means we have the entire kingdom at our hands. I was thinking about this a little bit. And honk if it's... Oh, she's not here. Woohoo! <clears throat> oh, God, curse. But I was thinking about this in a lot of different ways and... One of the things I was thinking about coming off of our last week talking about Jesus' temptations was that if there is an army of angels and heavenly beings at the disposal of God, those are at our disposal. We try to do things ourselves. We try to take on things ourselves. And if we realize truly the resources we had at our disposal, the resources of the kingdom of heaven, And yes, it's confusing, and yes, it's above us. Yes, it's spiritual stuff. Yes, it's scary stuff. But if we truly understood it, and I'm not saying that I do completely, but if we truly grasp onto it, think of the things we could do. My joke has always been, and it's not a joke, it's actually kind of sad. If there was ever one congregation that just got it, the world would be different. You know, I, I, we, we talk about our friends at Willow Creek and Heartland, you know, a couple of our mega churches in Illinois. Uh, and, and if Willow Creek, one of the, the third largest church in the nation, if Willow Creek got it, and it's a wonderful ministry, and we, we bless their ministry and pray for their ministry as well, but if they got it and there was 25,000 people who got this, Chicago would be a lot better place. And it's not. And if we here got it, and I think we get it more than I've ever experienced, so kudos, but we got some work to do. McChesney Park and Loves Park would be a different place. And maybe Rockford would be a different place. And maybe Northern Illinois would be a different place. Remember, Jesus did it with 12 guys, and one of them didn't really work out so well. What could we do with what we have? Perhaps we could experience transformation. So my promise to you is this, that I am not, nor will I ever play it safe when it comes to this ministry. I will not do whatever I need to to keep us alive. I will do whatever I need to to live out God's will, wherever that takes us and however scary that is. That's what I will do. All churches need to embrace this potential to change the world, to live out the kingdom. But unfortunately, a lot of congregations have a lot of baggage to unpack before they can get there. We don't. We have a fresh start and an amazing opportunity. So I think we should take that chance to live in this kingdom, 
And whatever it comes and whatever it lives and whatever it looks like, do it. Will it make us a megachurch? I doubt it. Will it make everyone love us? Well, in fact, if you read scripture, probably the opposite of that. Will it be easy? No. It will take work, and it has taken work. But it's been good work. And we remember, even if it's hard, even if there's struggles, even if there's conflict, that we have the king of the universe in our corner. If we're going to the big fight, who better to have on our side than the person who controls and created and does everything? and can defeat any enemy, who can overcome any obstacle. That is something that comforts me. Now the truth is, I think, you, me, anyone here, will never have this chance again to start over, to start fresh, and to do something as radically biblical and raw and authentic as we have. So I want to do whatever I can to make that a reality. I want to see us become children of God together, brothers and sisters together with Christ so that we can latch on to all that the kingdom of God has to offer. Not us personally, but our community and our world. I want to see the kingdom here in this place, in this community. And I am willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. I hope you're on board. Amen. As we transition now to the third part of our worship experience, our forwarding time, remind you a couple things. We are uh, taking over our finances, uh, and so we're setting up the procedures we need to to uh, be independent in that way. Uh, I, I talked a little bit uh, last week about our friends Roscoe um, had an all-church conference about how they would, you know, uh, about their budget. It really had nothing to do with us. But as part of that conversation was the ongoing support of New Life. Uh, and, and there was very affirm, uh, there was a lot of affirmations, although we're not supposed to seek affirmation, right? Oh, that was last week's sermon. No one remembers, apparently. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but there was a lot of um, good feelings about our ministry and I think a lot of um, call and concern about our ministry. Uh, and so we just continue to pray um, for Roscoe as they are unpacking some baggage uh, and hopefully finding a vision for them and their future. Uh, and we um, are thankful for all of the support that they've given us. Uh, and if they continue to support us, we will be uh, thankful and grateful uh, as well. Uh, so uh, we say that I will remind you um, we would still take probably surveys for a couple days uh, we, we are pretty much done with that part of the process taking the surveys they are on um, on the website findnewlifeumc.org also though if you uh, didn't get the newsletter make sure we get your email so you can get on the newsletter um, list we are taking questions as Jeff said earlier today for our sermon uh, or our, our forming time two weeks from now. So we're, our last Covenant and Kingdom is next week, and then we're going to do a Q&A. Um, and, and we are opening that not just to questions of the Bible, but questions of our ministry, questions of the church. Great, you know, what's eschatology? That would be a 
great um, question. Um, you know, what's the perichoretic movement of the Holy Spirit or, or the Trinity, excuse me? The Holy Spirit's involved in that. Um, what's that look like? You know, koinonia. No, I'm just saying Greek words at this point. Um, you know, but, you know, theological things. But really um, more practical things like, uh, you know, what, what's, what's our plan is new life? Where are we going? I shared some of that. But, um, you know, some, some practical things. So any questions you have, excuse me, um, get those to me. Email them to me. You can write them um, here as I'm talking right now. You can write them on the back where it says questions on this green little flap that you can It just come. Look at how easy it comes off. I'm not even looking at it. And you can write a question. And then under where it says song, that would be a good place to write a particular song that you would like and why you enjoy it. Perhaps um, you might say life song. Uh, that was a great song that um, we sang. I already said we should do that. But, um, you know, and then you say, I like that song because um, that's why. Um, maybe you don't know what song it is that you like. Uh, you don't know what the title is or the artist. Um, so then you go to Jamie and you say, I want, I want us to do this song with the O-O-O's. Um, and she's really good at that, so... Um, she'll just hook you right up with whatever song you need. Um, yeah, just that's like seven songs that we've sung with OOO in them. <laughs> I actually have a playlist on my phone called OOO. Yeah, just hum a few bars. Um, yeah, snap it if you, you know, whistle. What, clap, you know, when we, we clap like this, when... I'm giving you time to write your questions and your songs. <laughs> uh, so please do that. We'll just do that um, probably till next week because uh, then we're going to need to prepare uh, to answer your questions and the, the band's going to need to know that um, for their preparation as well. Uh, so let us uh, join into a time of prayer. Uh, we'll take our offering <coughs> and our tithes tonight. Uh, and we thank you for your support uh, and uh, continued support of our ministry. And then we will move into our forming time. So let us pray. Lord, God of Abraham and Sarah, you desire to be in covenant relationship with us. Help us to desire that covenant relationship with you. By grace, may we be pulled into that covenant, becoming new people, having new 